0: Welcome to our church, everybody. My name is Mike Burnett, my wife Stephanie and I are so honored to serve you as pastors here. And we're excited about today. We've got baptisms happening today and dedicating babies. We love baby dedications. And we always say, if, if you'll build them, we'll dedicate them. You know what I'm saying? So you, you do your part, we'll do ours. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. And welcome to our church. It's, a, it's an honor to have you, especially if this is your first time with us. And everybody joining us back at our Austin Peace State University campus. Come on, Point, let's say what's up to our APSU campus. Love you guys. We've got a lot going on this year and excited for some great things ahead of us, but we have consecrated these first three weeks as a time of fasting and prayer. And I wanna invite everybody in our church to consider joining us. Not, don't just think about it, but join us in some type of fast. And we talked last week about the three types of fast that we offer or, or we encourage people to do. One is a total fast where you just drink water, some juice, maybe a coffee a day, uh, but no food. And remember, you gotta pray. You can't just starve yourself, right? There's no... There's no fasting without prayer. Uh, th- then we have a particular fast where you would give up uh, certain things that you enjoy, meat, sweets, whatever, coffee, all, all. We got some folks fasting caffeine and I'm getting the text like, I wanna choke somebody. So <laughs> we're believing God with you and you can do it, I promise you. Um, uh, that's a particular fast where you give up particular foods. Then a selective fast where you select times of the day uh, that you will fast and then you'll eat regular meals uh, during those other times. What, however you fast, just everyone please, Join us in fasting. We've got some great things ahead of us this year. In fact, we'll be announcing plans soon uh, for our new permanent second location on Tiny Town Road, which we're very excited about. And uh, please continue to woo that and give to it and pray for it and fast for it. We believe this year is gonna be a a big year with uh, expansion and growth in multiple locations and so uh, also we're praying for your family we're praying for what's happening in your life single parents we're praying for you those that are deployed pcs we're praying for jobs and and god's clarity about his future for you and so we have a lot to pray about and so we've set these first 3 weeks of the year apart for fasting and prayer and on the 20th on Friday night the 20th we're going to have a night of worship and i would love for our our Rossview campus to be absolutely slam-packed with people. And we, we go for it, man. It's an hour and 20, hour and a half of just worship and prayer and light devotional thoughts. But we're here to meet with Jesus, not to hear another sermon. Come on, Jesus. Right, everybody? I don't know why y'all amen that so quickly. <laughs> yeah, no more preaching. Forget that, dude. Um, hey, but as we always do, uh, we have partnered our fast with our compassion partner, Convoy of Hope, which segues me into a thank you for being an amazingly generous church and we're a church that believes in bringing tithes to the Lord and then giving offerings beyond that. A tithe is our first 10% we give to God and we give it through his local church. And then the offering is what we do beyond that. When we give an offering, it's uh, as a church, we don't do a lot of offerings, we do two a year, one in January and one in August. So we don't wanna like, we we run our church on the the money that you give in tithes. And then we give offerings uh, in January at the end of 21 days of fasting and prayer and August at the end of 21 days of prayer We partner with Convoy of Hope for our 21 day initiatives for clean water and feeding families. And so whether you give online through the mail, through our app, by the way, all of you, uh, please download our app if you don't have it or update the app, we do a lot on there. You can get sermon notes there. You can give online there. You can catch up with old messages, join a small group, get into our next steps class. All of that, our whole church is presented to you on our app. It's available on in the Apple store. It's also on Android uh, for those of you that need that we we'll to invite you to make the switch to blue bubbles this year, guys. Come on, pray about it. Uh, we don't have an app yet for flip phones or rotary dial home phones, but we're working on whatever. Um, so um, at, at the end of this month, what we're saying is whatever you fasted, if you gave up meals or coffee or food or drink or whatever, save the money you would have spent on that and let's give to give clean water. We've got uh, displays at both of our physical locations with our clean water initiative. In fact, it's been really fun to watch other churches joined this partnership with us. And now people are bringing their business alongside this water initiative. We've got a number of companies in our church that people have said, we want our company to partner for thousands of water filters or thousands of dollars. And and that's just been really cool to watch it just grow, grow, grow. And it's moved from just a $25 water filter. We've asked everyone in our church, would you give at least enough for one $25 water filter? But now, just ask God, how many filters do you want me to buy? How many filters would you like me to provide for? And now we're also digging wells. We're putting irrigation systems in and farms in the third world and the developing nations to help just change lives forever. You, you put clean water in a village with no clean water. In fact, I've got a video I want to show you of where your giving and generosity has helped put clean water for the first time ever. Hey, Pastor Mike, Life Point Church. My name is Heath. Don't you talk when I'm talking, Heath. (laughs) Let me show you this quick video and we'll come right back to it. Here we go. (laughs) Hey, Pastor Mike, LifePoint Church. My name is Heath, this is Ed. We're standing in a village in Indonesia next to a well. Thanks to your generosity, we're able to provide clean water to people who literally have access to nothing, Ed. Yeah, and the amazing thing about this well, Heath, is we provided some of the resource, but the men of this village dug this well by hand and now are looking to dig a well in the next village, training those men to dig the well in the next village. We love the way the convoy is able to multiply hope. Yeah, so you're not only helping us provide clean water to people, you're also helping us inspire others to be generous and pay it forward. There's a compound effect to hope. Thank you for loving people the way that Jesus does. God bless you. Isn't that great, everybody? Come on, that's fun. <laughs> so while you're fasting, I want you to consider giving at the end of this month generously to, build, to put more wells in more places. And here's what's great about putting water in a village like this. It's, a, it's, it's not like free Christianity all over Indonesia. In fact, it's one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. But when you all of a sudden have the only place with clean water and it's attached to a church, All of a sudden, anyone's welcome to come and get water for free, and comes with that an invitation to church and an invitation to family and community. It is an amazing way to reach people far from God is by providing clean water, and you get to be a part of that. So as we're fasting and giving generously at the end of this month, I just wanna thank you on the front end for the literally thousands of people that will come to faith in Jesus because we put water in a place that has never, that village has never had clean water until we got to put it in there. Isn't that awesome, everybody? Come on, let's do it. I'm excited. And uh, a, a lot of other churches are joining us this year for our 21 Days of Hope and Mosaic Church on the other side of town. Pastor Anthony and Julia and my wife and I, we are very, very, very good friends. And uh, Pastor Anthony was so excited when he saw what we were doing. So now Mosaic Church is attached to this water initiative. And frankly, I think they wanna give more than us. So let's win. Let's win. Let's go, everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be duking it out, Life Point and Mosaic. Who can give more money to missions? Amen. That's a worthy fight right there. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, we're in the second week of our Pray First series and we're building on top of last week's message. We called it our, um, how to build a God first year. And sorry, I meant to show you this before uh, I moved on. (laughs) And now we go to our sermon title. Okay, Uh, (laughs) sorry about that. Last week, I titled the message, Building a God First Year. Hopefully you were challenged with the opening of the message as you have decided to put God first in various parts of your life, in spiritual disciplines, in finances, in serving and blessing other people. And uh, hopefully you've made some adjustments in your life. Today, I wanna continue our Pray First series with a message really wrapped around the title of our series, Pray First, how to build. uh, I wanna give you a practical plan for a Pray First year. Now, as a pastor, I love teaching and preaching the Bible. I love teaching and preaching theology, but how many of you know Knowing the theology is different than doing what the theology tells us to do, right? So I wanna move from what we believe and think to how do we do this? And so today's gonna be super practical. We're gonna start high and end low, right? So I want not only to teach some of the why we pray and all of that, but I wanna give you a very practical plan for how to build a pray first year. Now, let me just pull the room and ask, how many of you would honestly say, I struggle with prayer? It's a difficult discipline for me. Come on, let's be honest about it. I struggle with prayer, right? And here are the complications that a lot of people say. They go, I don't know what to say. I don't know, does it have to be King James English? Is God listening? Or we think if everything that's going on secret in my life were exposed, would God listen to me? We ask questions like, if God doesn't do what I asked in prayer, does he care about me? Or is there something wrong with me? Like we have all these complications with prayer. And so today I wanna help clean up some of those complications. And I wanna teach you the most practical way we can learn to pray. Now, uh, we have a couple of resources for you. As always, every year we have this digitally, it's on our app, it's on our scannable, uh, where you scan our QR code, it's available. We, We also have these in print in our bookstore and at Austin P. in the lobby, our Pray First Guide, which is a ton of different ways to pray and models of prayer. And I encourage everyone, you should just have a bunch of these in your house. And then my pastor, Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands has just come out with a new book titled Pray First. Instead of worry first, cry first, argue first, or fight first, pray first. And he would say this is 40 years of teaching his church how to pray uh, in 220 pages. So uh, we have a limited number in our bookstore and in our lobby at Austin P. But of course you can buy it online at Amazon or wherever you bought your latest copy of Parable Church. Okay. See what I did, slipped that in there. Kids college funds, y'all, I gotta help my kids go to school. (laughs) Truthfully, I'd love for you to grab a copy of Pray First as uh, we have some here in the bookstore and also they're available online. Many of us struggle with prayer. Of all the spiritual disciplines, like I love giving, I love, I I enjoy fasting. I really love finishing a fast, but I enjoy fasting. Um, I, I love preaching, I like worship, I'm a musician. Prayer has always been the struggle discipline for me. And part of it's because of how I grew up, honestly. I mean, I grew up with a single mom. Shout out to single parents, you're my heroes. I grew up with a single mom. And the idea of talking to my dad was very foreign to me for growing up most of my life. I grew up in the 80s and 90s before cell phones and internet was a big deal. And so the the concept of just this kind of free flow conversation with dad was always really hard for me. And and that kind of translated into difficulty with prayer conceptually, for a long time and I had to work through some things and get over some things. But here's what I believe about prayer. Prayer is a foundation to your life with God and it is a constant invitation from God for you to keep building on that foundation. In fact, no one comes to faith without prayer. Think about it. When you said yes to Jesus, you prayed about it, right? You said, okay, God, I believe you're real. I believe in this gospel that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I repent, I ask for your forgiveness, that's prayer. And so Christianity starts, well, it starts with Jesus. It starts with the cross and his resurrection. But for you and for all of us, Christianity and being a Christian started with prayer. But what happens with most Christians is we start with this prayer that we learned from our pastor. And then we just do Christianity by living with behaviors and disciplines. And those disciplines and behaviors are good and right and great. But more than you behaving for God, he wants you to relate with him. He is inviting you into communion with him and communication with him. And so prayer is very simply defined as communication with God. I want you to think of the last person you had a really good phone call with. A really good, no, I'm, not, I'm not talking a text interchange here, youngsters. Did you know that your iPhone will make phone calls? Anybody still like would rather pick up a phone and call than text? That's what I'm talking about. Come on, gray hairs, let's go. We're gonna do this together. <laughs> We're going to bring it back, everybody. (laughs) Think of the last time you just had like a great exchange with somebody on the phone or in a meeting or at dinner or somewhere. And and listen, I want to encourage you to have that level of excitement and interchange with God. Every day I take my daughters to school and uh, I drive them to school in the morning. And then uh, every morning as we're leaving, there's a lady in our neighborhood. uh, She walks every single morning. And always I'm like, man, I should get up and walk. Nope, I'm sleeping. So <laughs> she gets up and walks every morning and every morning she's got her phone up to her ear on her walk. Now I wanna buy her some AirPods so she can work both arms out, you know what I'm saying? She's just got one really strong arm. <laughs> and, but my daughters were telling me on Friday when I was taking them to school uh, that we're all friends you know, in our neighborhood there or with this couple and, and they said, she calls her mother every morning on her walk. Hey guys, call your parents. You know I'm saying? Like, gosh, I was so convicted. I was like, man, I'll call my mom every week. You know, I'm like, I need to do better about that. Every morning she has a conversation recurring. Hey, good morning, what are you doing today? Well, I'm walking again. I know, but how's, it? and just this dynamic exchange of just building a relationship. I bet if you were to ask, are you close with your mom? Oh yeah, super close. Why, what builds that? Well, cause every day when I walk, I call my mom. What if we just had that approach with our father in heaven that every day we had that easy of access, that invited access to our heavenly father where we can just make it a normal part of our rhythm and routine and, and just build that relationship. Prayer is about communication with God. It's calling on him. It's talking to him. It's also listening. How many of you know communication is two ways? You ever known people that never listen but always talk? It's talking to God like you would talk to anyone else you love. My best friend in the world is my wife. There is no doubt about it. I don't have any best friends but her. Every one of you that are married, you need to look at your spouse and say, you are my best friend. But one of the things my wife and I know about how we build that relationship is we talk a lot and regularly. And part of the closeness that we have is because we're in constant communication and it's regular, it's expected, it's not a burden. And prayer is that opportunity for you to build relationship with the God of heaven, the God who created everything, listen, has invited you into the very throne room of his creation. Think about this for a second. The writer of Hebrews says, we may enter boldly into the throne room of God to find grace and mercy in our time of need. I just want you to think for a second in the annals of of all history of God, he sat on his throne one day and just spoke all of creation into existence. And now, because of the resurrection of Jesus, because you're a daughter and a son of God, he has invited you into that very throne room simply by calling on him in prayer. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to wait in the lobby. You're never put on hold when you call. You have a confident access to the very throne room of God through prayer. And listen, it is a regular part of the life of the believer. It's bringing our heart to God. It's bringing our fears to God. It's bringing our needs to God. It's bringing our whole life to God for alignment into his will. But many times we experience challenges. We say things, and I've heard this as a pastor. I've said some of these myself. I don't know what to say when I pray. I can't pray like like I heard my pastor prayer. I can't pray like that really spiritual small group leader. I don't pray like grandma. I don't like to pray in front of other people. If you wanna freeze a small group, let the new guy pray on his first visit. You know what I'm saying? Welcome to our small group, we're glad you're here. Would you mind to open us in prayer? That's their last visit, y'all, I'm just telling you. Anybody know that feeling when your workplace finds out you're a Christian and they have like a potluck and they go, you, you're churchy, come on, pray. I'm a pastor, I'm always the one they ask to pray. It could be a Super Bowl party, it could be whatever it is. And it's like, Pastor Mike, do you mind? Do you mind to pray? Come on, do you mind to pray? I go, I didn't know I was coming to work. If I'm on the clock, I'm preaching a sermon, bro. I'm taking an offering. You gonna baptize somebody? <laughs> it's always Pastor Mike. I go to a family dinner. Uh, Brother Mike, do you mind? Shut up, Kenny. Anyway, as a pastor, I've heard challenges like, I don't know what to say. I don't like to pray in front of others. I don't wanna pray in front of my spouse or in front of my kids. Or we say, what if I say the wrong thing? Does God really hear me when I pray? How do I make sure God hears my prayers? Do my prayers just bounce off the ceiling? Or we'll say things like this. If God doesn't answer my prayers, is he real? Does he listen to me? What's wrong with me? I had one friend I was discipling for a long time. He's a great friend of mine now, but he's moved. Um, He was new to Jesus when he started coming to our church and cussed like a sailor, actually was in the Navy. And so it was fitting, right? Like you just expected this. And so we were, we were, I was discipling him and we got to be very good friends. And this is way back in like 2013 or 14. And uh, we were at Cheddar's one day and I'm, I'm walking him through like how to have a devotion life and Bible study and prayer and all this stuff. And he goes, man, I gotta tell you, I, I, I gotta be real honest, this is at Cheddar's, you know, we got a stack of onion rings and some good meat. And um, he said, I'm really discouraged in prayer. I was praying the other day and I cussed in prayer. I said, do you have for And then I got really mad and I go, I can't even and pray without cussing. He says this at lunch with me. He did not edit for content, you know what I'm saying? And I just start laughing. I said, I love that. I love the honesty of that. And he goes, are you serious? I go, do you think God never heard that word from your mouth before? Like all of a sudden in prayer, he's paying attention to you. And then he heard that word. What is this word? Gabriel, have you heard this before? I mean, God is just so much, he, he gets you. You know what I'm saying? In fact, he sent Jesus because you are you. You know what I'm saying, everybody? So I just, listen, you can't mess it up in prayer. I just want all of your excuses and all of your problems with prayer to just delete out of your brain this year. Can we just choose that this year? In fact, let me show you a scripture. Psalm 116, one of our team brought this to us this week and I love this. Listen to what the writer of this Psalm says. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and because he hears my prayer for mercy. Look at this, because he bends down to listen to me, I will pray as long as I have breath. I I just look at the imagery of this. I am so, you you need this verse on your mirror. You need this verse in your prayer closet. Look what he says. I love God because he hears me. And anybody feel like they're just unheard, unseen, unnoticed at home, at work, whatever. Man, God sees you. He cares about every part of you. And look at this second verse. Because he bends his ear to me. Now I'm tall. I'm six feet, six inches tall. It's funny when people meet me in the lobby, they go, you're taller in person, same height as on stage, same height. A lot of you are looking at me at a three inch screen on your phone. I'm taller than three inches, like Mike TV on Willy Wonka here. But all my kids, I got four daughters and they're all short, especially when they're little, right? My oldest one's getting tall; she's taller than mama. But there have been countless times that I've had to lean down because I heard my kid was asking for something. I just had to, what'd you say? And I just want you to understand something. Every time you say, Lord, what? Every time you open your mouth and go, my father in heaven, Uh uh-huh, yeah, 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 what? I'm listening. I just have this picture of God in the throne. The Bible says he's seated on the prayers of his people. I mean, we have this image in scripture that all the angels and seraphim and all of them are flying around heaven going, holy, 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 all the time, just singing to him. And I feel like God just goes, shut up for a second. My son's talking to me. Quiet, Gabriel. My daughter's talking to me. Every time you open your mouth to God in prayer, he's attentive. He doesn't put you on hold. He doesn't make you wait in the lobby like a doctor's appointment. He is listening with attention to you every single time. I want you to just embrace the idea God loves it when you pray. You can't say the wrong thing. He's way less concerned with your formula and your function and what you say than the fact that you're saying something to him at all. He is so excited when you come into the place of prayer. Revelation 5.8 says that our prayers are like incense that smells sweet to our God. Can you imagine the Lord just breathing in the smell of your prayers? He loves it when we pray. He loves it when we pray. So whatever obstacle or excuse you have against prayer, I'm inviting you this year to drop it. Drop those excuses and let's build a pray first life together. Now, I wanna get real practical from here forward. I wanna teach you something I learned from Pastor Wayne Francis, one of my best friends in the whole world. I just love Pastor Wayne and he loves our church. He's been here to preach every year for the last four or five years. And then I wanna teach you something that our Lord Jesus taught us about prayer. So can I teach you something from Pastor Wayne and Pastor Jesus, come on everybody. And I want everybody to take notes on this. It's super practical and memorable. I wanna teach you a practical plan for how to build a pray first year. And then I wanna ask everybody, would you do this for me? Would you commit to the plan I'm gonna teach you for seven days, one week, this week? Can everybody do that for me? You don't even know the plan yet. That's how much you trust me. I appreciate that. Would you commit to seven days on the plan I'm gonna teach you today, everybody? About 80% of you raise your hand and say, I struggle with prayer. So I'm gonna teach you how. I told you, God loves you when you pray. So let me teach you some how, okay? And we're gonna learn first from Daniel. You guys remember the story of Daniel in your Bible or maybe from Sunday school, Daniel in the lion's den. We've heard that story. Well, it comes out of Daniel chapter 6 when King Darius is the king of Babylon and there are three primary officials or governors or rulers of the land. Daniel and his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those were the names given to them by the Babylonian king. Um, Daniel and his buddies are rising in influence in Babylon and King Darius has basically made Daniel his right-hand guy. He's the leader of the leaders next to the king. And he's respected Daniel, he loves Daniel, he respects his relationship with God, even though Darius himself is not a God man, a God follower, he respects Daniel's faith in God. The other two of the top three officials are these satraps, these governors, they hated Daniel. They hated that this Jewish boy became one of the rulers of the Babylonian empire, they hated his faith in God, they hated his devotion to God, and they conspired to have a law written really to come against Daniel, that it would be illegal to practice any religion other than paganism and worship of Darius the king and to pray to anyone else. In Daniel chapter six, verse six through seven, it says the high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king Darius and said, "O oh, King Darius live forever. All the high officials, except Daniel, all the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance. Daniel's not in this meeting, by the way. Everyone else has come together and said, we have agreed that you should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction. So the laws of the land are changing here. Watch this. Whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days, except pray and petition to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. What a horrible punishment. What a terrible way to die, to be killed by cats. (laughs) You know, this is a demonic culture when they let cats take you out. Y'all heard what I'm saying. It's in the Bible, (laughs) y'all. Happy New Year. (laughs) Whoever does not pray only to King Darius will be killed by thrown into a den of lions. Now, Daniel's not in the meeting and King Darius trusts his leaders. So watch this. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the law so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked. Here's what we see. The culture is shifting and they're changing the laws. Does this sound familiar? The Persian, the Medes, their culture is persuading the king to change the laws about prayer and faith. And they're saying, we want you to sign this law that can never be revoked even by you, king. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and signed the injunction. Now, this is bad news, crazy times. And the laws are changed because the culture has shifted. But Daniel, that doesn't give Daniel a reason not to build a life of prayer. We're gonna see a model from Daniel of what he did next. Daniel 6 verse 10 says, Daniel, when he heard that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, think of a bonus room over his camel garage, come on now. He went in his house where he had windows in the upper chamber that opened toward Jerusalem. It, is, it was an ancient tradition to always pray towards the temple, towards Jerusalem. So whichever direction, north, south, east, or west, he faced the temple of, of God's house. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Notice the pattern of Daniel didn't change because the culture and the laws changed. Can I remind the church that we follow a different kingdom, no matter if the culture or the laws of our land change, we follow a different kingdom. As Daniel had done it before, he was like, well, y'all changed the law, but I gotta go pray. The law says pray to Darius. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go pray. By the way, there are places in the world today that still persecute your Christian faith. We are so blessed to live in a nation where we have freedom. Thank you to those that have defended our freedom so well that we may live in religious freedom in this nation. Thank you. To all of our soldiers, all of our first responders and and defenders of our city, we say, thank you. But listen, there are nations in the world that you're reaching through Convoy of Hope, through giving generously to missions. You're making a difference that nations where it's illegal to pray to Jesus, people are being touched and reached by God. I love this part of Daniel's character. He didn't care what the culture shifted towards and he didn't care what the leaders were saying. He cared what God said and he was faithful to God no matter what and he enjoyed a prayer time. Oh, the law changed. Look where it starts. When he knew the document had been signed, that it's illegal to pray to anyone but Darius and the punishment is get eaten by cats, yes. he goes back to his previous behavior of his prayer life. I just wanna remind you, as our world gets crazier, stay faithful in prayer. Yes. Just like, we're, But some of us struggle with that. So we're gonna build that today. We're gonna to give you some tools to build that. And I'm gonna show you how in just a second. But let me just show you What Wayne Francis showed me from this text and what I want us to see as we look at this text and then the text of Jesus. First of all, in the text, we saw Daniel went back to his house, to his upper room in the window. Daniel found a spot to pray. And then he had three times a day, he had time slots to go pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And then we don't know what he prayed. We don't see his prayer listed here. In fact, it's an interesting story as you read it. Uh, Go read Daniel chapter six. The king finds out what he did and that it was targeting Daniel and he loved Daniel so much. He actually started praying and fasting for Daniel to survive the lion's den. You wanna see the power of fasting when pagan kings start fasting for you to survive? There's power in fasting, everybody. So here's what I want you to write down. Take these notes, write it down. Uh, It's a three-step plan for how to build a pray first life. It's a spot, a slot, and a strategy. Everybody say it with me. A spot, a slot, and a strategy. Notice Daniel found a spot. And that's the first thing I wanna invite you to do. Find a spot to pray. This is very practical. This isn't spiritual. You don't need to pray about a spot, just choose one. For some of you, it might be your car. It may be while you're driving to work. It might be your office chair. It might be on your knees beside your bed. It's super practical, but this will help you in building a prayer rhythm and a prayer life. Find a spot for prayer. My pastor, Chris Hodges, who wrote this book, prays in his barca lounger in his basement every single day from 5.30 to 8.30 in the morning, every single day without fail. I've been to his house, he'd go to the basement and it's like this place, nobody else wants to sit in it. Shaped to his body and his butt, and it's got his Bible next to it and his water, and it's his chair. Find a spot in your home, get a place in your office, get a place. My other pastor, Barry, my first pastor I ever worked for, he would buy a high top conversion van. He had no kids in the house. I'm like, why are you buying a giant van with the tall roof and the TV in it? And he said, it's my prayer closet. So what are you talking about? He goes, I can park anywhere and leave the, gap, leave the air on and pray. Now he's a smaller fellow. You know, I couldn't do that. I'd be like, bent, like me in a plane, you know, just walking around like this all the time but he, he would buy a high top conversion van. That's all he ever buys. So he can stand anywhere that he parks that thing and pray for hours at a time. It's funny when you get in his van, the carpet in the middle between the two captain's chairs in the back was worn out from him just walking a small circle. Lord, I thank you in Jesus name. You know, like he's small guy, small van, whatever. Find a spot. I like to pray at my desk. I also like to pray in my bed at night but I have spots, find a spot and decide on a spot. Jesus was good at this. In Matthew 6, 46, it said, after he'd taken leave of the disciples, he went up on the mountain to pray. He found a spot. He didn't just interrupt the disciples or interrupt what he was already doing. He said, I have a place to go meet God. Jesus literally in teaching us the Lord's prayer starts with this in Matthew 6, verse six. He says, don't stand in front of everybody, letting them hear your prayers so that you may receive praise from other people. He says this, when you pray, expectant language, right? When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now he doesn't, this isn't like a go into your bedroom. He's just saying, go into a space that's private between you and God and spend time with God. So the first thing I wanna challenge all of you to do, and you don't even need to think hard about this, is find a spot to call your prayer spot. This week, we're gonna do it for seven days, okay? Starting today, pick a spot, find a spot. I have a good friend, he attends our church, And uh, he's a doctor in Hopkinsville. And he says, every day I love driving to Hopkinsville because that's my prayer closet. The whole drive is prayer. I'm not listening to news or music or anything else. I'm just talking to God the whole drive up. Find a spot and a place to pray. The second thing is pick a slot, like a time slot, a space in your calendar. This feels very mechanical, but I'm promising you, if you'll work this plan, it'll help you build a prayer life. Put it on your calendar, put it on your schedule and let others around you know that, hey, this time I'm giving to God. It could be 6.15 in the morning to 6.45 before you shower. It could be the first thing you do when you get to the office. It could be your lunch break. We're gonna do this for seven days. It could be the last 45 minutes before you go to bed. Whatever it is, pick a time slot and then put it on your calendar. Don't let Netflix interrupt it. Don't let anybody else interrupt it. Treat it like an appointment with your favorite person in the world, right? If you could go have an appointment with Denzel Washington, he's gonna meet you for coffee, at Lasseter's here in in, in Clarksville. And he said, I got 30 minutes, man. My man, my, my man, my man. You know, I'm coming to town. Okay, I'll meet you from 8.45 to 9.15. I won't be late and I won't be interrupted. And Denzel can go on to his next appointment, you know? Just make it that important, if not more. I'm meeting with the God of heaven. Put it on your calendar. Find a spot and then find a slot that works for your calendar and works for your life. How many morning people we got? Any morning people, you're just chipper in the morning? Yeah, whatever, I don't like you. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. But I was here at 6.30, so where were you morning people? Anyway, morning people love this. They get up, my wife first thing, grabs her Bible, starts with God. I get up and get in the shower because I'm running late and I need to get to something. But I'm a night owl, any night owls? Come on, Jesus, yes, Lord. Jesus tarried in the nighttime, y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be like the Lord. Whatever you need to do, just find a spot and then put it in what works, like when you're creative, when your mind's alert, when you're able to have this communication with God. Daniel had three times a day as his rhythm. It wasn't unusual for that culture. The Bible doesn't say when you must pray, but the Bible encourages you to pray. In Psalm 53, uh, the psalmist David writes, "O oh Lord, in the morning, I hear your voice. But then later in Psalm 55, he says, but I call to you, God... And the Lord will, but I call to God and the Lord will save me evening and morning and noon. I utter my complaints and I moan and he hears my voice. How many of you feel like that's what prayer is? I'm complaining and moaning. Well, God can take that. But notice David's gone to a three time a day prayer life. The point is this, don't try to like figure out the perfect time, just pick a time. And here's what I promise you. God will bend his ear to you as soon as you start. Lord, I'm here. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I've been waiting for you. I'm excited that you're here. Y'all getting anything out of this so far today? In Acts chapter three, verse one, we see the, the disciples in the New Testament, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was a dedicated hour of prayer, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. Listen, as a church, every Tuesday from nine to 1030, we have a staff chapel and you're still welcome to participate in praying with us as a church. We, we shifted our prayer meeting to a, a prayer, a staff thing. And we just wanna invite you to stay connected to that hour of prayer if you want to. Pick a spot, pick a time slot. The Bible has all sorts of prayers and prayer times. It's not a required time in the Bible. Well, if you don't pray in the morning, then you're going to hell. No, that's crazy. Just pray, find a time, find a place. Are y'all good with this so far? So pick a slot, pick a spot, and now pick a strategy. And I gotta get through this quick because we are kind of behind with the rest of the things in our schedule today. Pick a strategy, work a strategy. Daniel had a spot and a slot. We don't actually have his prayer. And the Bible's full of great prayers that you can read and some of them are model prayers that we should follow. None is better in my opinion than the model or strategy that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. In fact, how many of you think if Jesus showed up to the church and said, hey, I want you to pray like this, you would do it? Anybody? Yeah, Yeah. that's not true because he did that. And many of us struggle to do this. So watch, I'm gonna show you. Myself included at times, right? Jesus said in Matthew six in Sermon on the Mount, "Pray like this." You ready? Come on, read it with me. You all know this. Our Father in heaven, come on. Say King James English, everybody. Come on. Which art in heaven? Ain't no art in here. This ain't an art gallery. Come on, stay with me in the ESV. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. (laughs) Thy will be done. Come on, you can do it. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. How many of you have ever recited this prayer before? Yeah, come on, all of us have. I grew up in the South. You learned the Pledge of Allegiance and the Lord's Prayer in school. You know what I'm talking about? I'm gonna say something that's gonna rub you and offend you, but I'm just gonna say it because I love you and my eyebrows are up, everybody. You see this? Listen. This prayer was never meant to be recited. This prayer was never meant to be a recitation. I honestly think that it would grieve the Lord that all we ever did with this amazing, full, robust prayer was recite it by rote and crochet it onto Afghans and put it on our wall. This is a model of prayer. It's a guide. I'm going to show you how it's a guide for prayer. It's one of the most quotable things from scripture. John three sixteen, the Lord's prayer. I get it. Jesus wept. That's the biggest, you know, short version in the Bible. But Jesus did not say, quote this. He said, pray like this. And now what I want to teach you is the seven parts of this prayer. We're going to break this apart into seven pieces. And I promise you, Every one of you, if you'll do this model prayer for seven days, it'll change your prayer life forever. And if any of you are sitting here, you go, I got a robust prayer life, I pray every day, great. Would you do this with the rest of us for seven days? And let's learn this. The first part of the prayer that Jesus taught is to revere God. He starts with our Father in heavens. Listen to me, when we come to the Lord, just come with an attitude and a posture. Now there's times that your prayers are quick and you're just dialing in while you're in the middle of something. Oh Lord, I need to talk to you real quick but I'm talking when you're having your prayer time, revere God, revere his position. He's not your bro. He's not your homeboy down the street. He's our father, our heavenly father, and he is rightly positioned in the heavens. Our father sits on his throne overseeing everything. And we're not coming in shaky and nervous and scared. We're walking in with confidence as sons and daughters going, my father who is in the heavens overseeing everything. You are the great king. You are the Lord of all. You are over everything. You are my master, my maker, my heavenly father. God, I just thank you that you are such a good, Heavenly King, you oversee it all. You're a good, good father. I revere you. I respect you. I love you. I worship you. I awe you, God. Spend time just acknowledging his greatness, his power, his position. And listen, you have an invite to confidently come into his very throne room in prayer. Oh God, I'm in your house today. And then the next thing is reverence. It's posturing your heart right. Then go into worship hallowed, holy, honorable be your name. So you gotta understand, the name of God is so powerful and it's worthy to be praised. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. The name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. So start quoting the names of God. This is when I tell people, worship God, put on your favorite worship album, get onto Spotify, get your cassette tapes out, come on, the Imperials, throwback, whatever you need and let's worship our amazing God. After revering how holy he is, just spend time in worship. Get on your knees, lift your hands, whatever you wanna do, I don't care. Just tell him how great he is, how good he is. Before you ask for anything, dote on him, how beautiful you are. God, your name is great. Listen to this, I always like to spend time in the names of God. How many of you know name calling is powerful? And when you call the names right, it's, it, it blesses you. When we say things like, you are Jehovah. You are the God over everything. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who brings me healing. You are God, my healer, the shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, the one who who shepherds me close to the Father's heart. You are God, Jehovah Shalom. You are the God of my peace, not politicians and wars and money. God, you are the God who gives me peace. You are Jehovah Shema, the God who is present with me. You are watching over me. I'm never far from you. You are the God who's always so near. I love you, God. You are Jehovah Makedesh the God who sanctifies me, sets me apart, makes me holy. I'm not holy in my own self. I'm holy because you are holy. You're Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. Hallowed be your name. You're Jehovah who provides for me, Sikkenu, my righteousness. God, I'm only righteous because you died on the cross for me and raised from the dead, making me a son, not a sinner. You're Jehovah Elohim, the God who created everything. My Prince of Peace, my mighty God, my wonderful counselor, my everlasting father, hallelujah. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven earth and under the earth. Just worship God. Worship the Lord. Sing a song to the Lord in worship. Hallowed be your name. Isn't that better than hallowed be thy name? I'm getting worked up here just praying for y'all. I got eight minutes in this prayer so far. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Let's build, find a spot. This is my spot right now. My time slot is until five more minutes from now. (laughs) And then submit your will to God. Submission says your kingdom come. God, here's what's going on in my life. I got a new job opportunity. God, I'm praying about this house. Lord, I'm looking at at things. My daughter wants to marry this boy. God, I pray your kingdom come. Lord, my neighbors are sick. I pray your will be done in their life, in their health, in their needs. And and my boss is angry and upset. God, I pray your kingdom to come and reign on my boss. Your will be done in his life or her life. God, let it be as it is in heaven. We declare your kingdom come. This is when you submit your prayers to God and ask for his kingdom to reign, ask for his will to be done as it is in heaven. This is when I pray about choices I make or decisions for others. This is when I pray for others having needs. Listen, before I ask God for anything though, I've revered and worshiped him. God, I pray for my neighbors, I pray for my friends, I pray for my mom, I pray for my cousins. I pray for these situations and Lord, I pray your kingdom come. I love to pray scripture. I remind God of what his word said. Lord, you said in your kingdom, Then you pray for provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. Lord, you have it all. I'm gonna trust you. Some trust in horses and chariots, but I trust in the name of our God. Some trust in their 401k, some trust in who's president or the speaker of the house. God, some put their trust in their guns and their weapons, but I trust in you, Lord, would you provide for me today what I need to live for you. Lord, I know tomorrow's coming. Tomorrow has enough to worry about, Matthew six said, but seek first the kingdom of God today. I'm gonna trust you for my provision. Thank you for what you have provided. I got food in my pantry. I got breath in my lungs. I thank you, God, for your provision. Would you provide a, a, a way of escape from sin? Would you provide a reconciliation with my friend at work today? God, would you provide my daily bread today? Then we pray forgiveness. God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me, Lord, for looking at that thing, for talking that way for lying about this thing. And God forgive me, look at what he says, as we also forgive others. Hey, 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 you can't just plead for your forgiveness and refuse to offer forgiveness. But it's a prayer thing as much as it is a decision thing. Many of us struggle to forgive because we're just trying to decide to forgive. And what we might need to do is ask God to help us forgive. Hey Lord, in the same way you've forgiven me for all the sins I've ever committed, Help me to forgive my neighbor for the thing that they did to me. Help me forgive my spouse. Help me forgive my ex-spouse who cheated on me. Help me forgive my parents who abandoned me. Help me, God, forgive the person who hurt me because you've forgiven me of much. Help me forgive them. I promise you, if you'll make forgiveness a matter of prayer, you'll find forgiveness. I'm doing way more than reciting the Lord's prayer, y'all. He goes on with protection. Lord, I'm struggling, I'm tempted. I got these things in my life. Lord, I'm driving on Wilma Rudolph, bless God. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. God, protect me from the hand of the devil. I know the enemy hates my family, my marriage, my singleness, he hates my life, my job, my success. But Lord, I put my life in your hands and I pray God you'd keep me from temptation to sin. Lord, you know I gave in two days ago, two days in a row. I gave in to drinking heavy again. Lord, I gave in, I lost my temper. God, would you lead me not into temptation this week? God, deliver me from evil. It's not your fault, God, but you need to help me overcome this sin and this struggle. God, help me, deliver me. And then he ends with praise, for yours is the kingdom. We go back to praise. Yours is the power, yours is the glory. God, let me not get it twisted. God, I may have all these things I'm bringing to you today, but I gotta remember that your kingdom is great and greatly to be praised. You are bigger and better. You're a good father, your kingdom is everlasting. And Lord, I praise you for it. So we start with worship. We end with praise. Come on, somebody, do a Jericho march. Give a shout to the Lord. Put some Israel Houghton on in your, in your playlist. Let's go and shout and jump and, and just get wild for God. Thank you, Lord, that I get to praise you. Thank you, Lord, that you hear my praise. Thank you, Lord, that you are good and faithful forever. So I wanna challenge you, church. I asked you to do it for the next seven days. Find a spot, that's easy. Find a slot on your calendar that works for prayer. That's on you. And then... Let's follow Jesus, our Lord, who said, pray like this. Here it is in quick, quick notes for you. We're gonna start with reverence, then go to worship. Many of us start right here and right here. God, would you, would you, would you? How about God, you are. I love you, you're so good, you're so great. Many of you will get stuck here for a while and it's worth it. And okay, God, these needs, hey, by the way, if you'll start here, these things will get smaller because he'll get bigger. Anyway, reverence, worship, submission. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Our earth is a in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me. And your kingdom is amazing, God. Oh man, what a mighty God we serve. This is not a recitation, it's a model, a strategy. So I invite you this week to join me for seven days of praying like this, like Jesus taught us to pray. God, would you help us? Draw us into our prayer closet. Remind us that you look forward to every time we show up in prayer. You bend your ear to us when we pray. Lord, you are attentive and ready to hear us, to speak to us, to receive our praise. And God, we have overcomplicated it. We've let insecurity and history and wounds and and baggage cloud us from the very thing that you sent Jesus to do, the restored relationship with you. So God, today we are choosing to step boldly back into restored fellowship with you through prayer. Lord, I pray right now for your church. Can you open your hands to the Lord, everybody? Come on, Lord, I pray for your church that we would pray first, that we would build a life in prayer, and that God, we would follow the pattern of Daniel and the words of our master Jesus, who taught us how to pray. So Lord, would you lead us, direct us, and would would you meet us there and help us know that you've met us that day? God, we'll pick a spot, pick a slot. We'll follow your strategy in Jesus' name. Could you pray this with me? Say, God, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for my sin. Come on, say it as the most confident thing you've heard. I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin, giving me access to the Father again. And I believe he raised from the dead, defeating death in my life, defeating the power of sin off of me, and giving me full access to the throne room of God. I receive what I've heard today. I believe what I've heard today and I'm all in. Say, I'm yours, God. I'm all in to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Help me to pray this week like never before to God be the glory. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God.